Hello and welcome to Cutting the Board in the Post-Truth Apocalypse. I'm Ben. As always, I'm joined by Mike. Hello. And Claire. Hey. And today we're going to finish off my little mini UFO UK series with the Rendlesham Forest Incident. 1980 in Suffolk. There's two bases there. There's RAF Woodbridge and RAF Benwars. They're both British bases, but they've been loaned to the American Air Force. So what, what, what went on them bases, do we know? Yeah, basically those bases were there on the um, east coast of England in case the Soviets decided to make a dash for Western Europe. Yeah. They were home to A-10 tank busters, which would have been one of the first lines of defence against mass Soviet armour columns, because them things are fucking great. You ever seen those A-10 warhogs go? No. Basically the whole plane is just built around a massive Gatling gun. And all you hear, apparently, is a <laughs> And the tank explodes. Firing out thousands of rounds a fucking second. It's amazing. Before you go on, we forgot something to thank new and turn listeners. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I was on a roll then. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. And we're back to that in a second. Enough of the burp. So, all right, let's thank some new and returning listeners. Odenville in Alabama, uh, Leeds, United Kingdom, Detroit, Michigan, Addison, Texas... Krapina in Croatia, Ixels in Belgium, is that how you say it? I don't know, my apologies. Uh, Tullamore in Ireland, Highbury in the United Kingdom, Cape Town in South Africa, oh, Hot Springs National Park, was AR, Arizona. No, it's the one that you can't pronounce. Arkansas. Yeah. Arkansas. Well, that's got to be someone on Aldi. Hmm. The National Park, I love it. Cardiff by the Sea in California. Cebu City in the Philippines, Withnell in the United Kingdom, wow, lots in the Philippines, Los Banos and Manila, Perth in Australia, Gravina de Catania in, in Italy, Bangalore in India, welcome back to you, Stuttgart, Germany, Sheffield, United Kingdom, New One, Dudelanga in Luxembourg, Singapore in Singapore, Madrid, Spain, so Roseville, California, Reading, United Kingdom, and Atlanta, Georgia. You've all been great. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Thanks yeah. Indeed. Right, now where was I? I was creaming over the A-10 Warhog and its anti-tank, yeah, uh, it. anti-tank capabilities. Yeah, also, although no government will ever admit it, the British, because they don't, they'll never admit to having nukes stored on their soil in a public forum, and the Americans who don't well, yeah. tell people, we did have. No. They're all on subs now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, we, but this is 1980 and we're still using planes to drop nukes. Yeah. So it's basically like this is where they stored about 200 warheads to form part of nuclear, uh, NATO's nuclear response to a Soviet attack. Should the Soviets either A launch first or appear to just smash through the NATO lines and then they're going for Paris and nothing to stop them, they'll pretty much nuke West Germany. A lot of people decided that West Germany didn't really have much incentive to stay in part of NATO. It was going to be destroyed in the West in the NATO's first first nuclear response. But they they changed the plan eventually. You know, not much reason for them to stay in the club if they're just going to get nuked. If the Soviets do roam and stroll across Berlin, yeah. So it's a crucial base. You can't imagine the the security of this base, or the certainly the importance of it. It's one of the most important. Probably the most important American Air Force base in the country. So, the sightings that became known as the Venusian Forest Incident began at approximately 3 a.m. on the morning of the 26th of December, 1980, Boxing Day. Mm. Two guards, John Burroughs and Jim Penniston, 
His name is spelt Penis Stone, and I will hate myself if I don't call him Jim Penis Stone at least once. I'm getting out of the way now. Okay, everyone alright with that? Yeah. Mike, do you want to throw in a penis tone, Claire? Just to get it, I'm good. Get I'm it good. out of the way? Oh, okay. They saw strange lights between the trees in the nearby Rendlesham Forest, which straddles both, both bases or either side of the forest. And they thought there'd been a plane crash. It's understandable, maybe the wreckage is on fire. It's at night. It's 3am in the morning, they've just come across this, mm. they're on patrol. They've just come across these lights in the sky. Oh shit, maybe a plane's gone down. Who knows? They go into the woods, expecting to find a crashed aircraft on fire. What they find is a landed triangular-shaped craft in a clearing. They approached it both in a state of disbelief, and upon getting closer, the craft took off vertically, and once it cleared the treetops, it sped off at astonishing speed. That's not the whole of the story, though. When they got back to the base, both were their watches were 45 minutes behind. Right. right. To their fellow guards, who would have all synchronised watches at the start of their shift, their watches are running 45 minutes late. Early, sorry. Well, yeah, because basically their watches must have stopped the minute they made contact right. with that craft. So when they came back, all their mates' watches were 45 minutes ahead of theirs. Oh, yeah. So you've got stopping time, missing time. Phenomena of UFO encounters, isn't it? Certainly is. Now, Penniston claims to have touched the craft, made physical, actual contact with it before it shot off. We'll get to that shortly. So, how many of them are. Just these two guys, two guys at this point. Does the other guy back him up that he touched it or not? He has not been on record as saying what happened. Why not? Didn't want to speak about it? Don't know. Maybe he doesn't talk about it. Okay. It's all something like that. Well, it's the ridicule, isn't it? You know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, now the notice is that the craft is actually covered in kind of, um, what's the, the Russian writing called? There's a specific word for it. I forget it off the top of my head. I watched it earlier and I can't remember what it is. But anyway. Like hieroglyphics. Yes, yeah. almost like hieroglyphics. You know, little weird shapes etc. Now Burroughs and Penniston were both career airmen and they were trained in aircraft recognition but this was like nothing they'd ever seen. It makes sense and then they would have been trained I mean even me with my limited thing in the reserves I was trained to identify stuff that was friendly and stuff that wasn't the silhouettes things like that you might know which know exactly make and model of Soviet tank Western tank whatever these guys would have been doing it with aircraft as well. Yeah, bird watches as well. Mm hmm? They caught the jeers of the bird, don't they? I beg your pardon. <laughs> yeah. Have you been out wanking birds? <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying. You've got to give it a try, haven't you? It's hard to catch them. They call it the jeers. Right. She's the sort of. Silhouette? Yeah. Of the bird. Mm. Okay. So they made a report that they'd seen these lights in the woods and nothing really happened about that because two days later, although it got about the base, don't get me wrong, oh, but Burroughs and, Burroughs and Penniston were chasing UFOs in the woods. You know, Holt's aware of it, who's a deputy base commander, and he's like, well, you know, it's, it's all right, it's, we'll let them have a bit of fun with it because remember, this is 1980s Cold War 
American base on British soil. These are teenagers. They are bored out of their fucking minds because they're military policemen and whichever way you want to put it, when they advertise that role, everybody hates you because yeah. you're, in the, you're a policeman, not a soldier. So everybody hates you. And you basically spend all your time guarding shit. They're just stood in a guard tower. Might be an eight-hour shift. Standing there freezing their nuts off in a Sussex winter. Watching for a Soviet first strike. Guarding the base, guarding the nukes. You're bored as fuck. So he kind of let it, he's like, ah, oh. well, it'll resolve. So it's, it's just a bit of gossip and it's going to go away. Yeah. Two nights later, however, it didn't go away. Because although there was a Christmas party on at the base, the door to the building bursts open and a young officer basically comes in and says to the base commander and deputy base commander, it's back. Sir, it's back. It's back. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. So there's no formal recording of the incident. Oh, the report was written originally, but it's like we saw these strange lights in the sky, we went out to have a look. And they didn't put down it was a UFO because they'd have been considered fucking crazy. These are career guys, they're, they're in for the long haul. We'd have had to do a decent dis description of it, you know, a triangular, you know, craft. They just said they saw lights. Oh, right, okay. This came, that, that thing came out, the, the description of the craft came out later and both men had left, or Jim Penniston had left the military. Mm. So the, he says it's back. Now the deputy base commander is a man by the name of Charles Holt, Lieutenant Colonel Charles Holt. Now you don't get to be a colonel in the US military, especially on their biggest stockpile of nuke base, if you're an idiot. And Lieutenant Colonel Charles Holt is a very sensible man. Very sensible. Have you heard him speak? My God. Very sensible. He always used to carry a small tape recorder around with him. Okay. Just the way he did things. If you're going around, he'd be recording notes himself, listen back to later, and see what happens. You know, he's one of them things, just one of his tools to help him do a better job. Mm -hmm. Now, he went out into the woods that night. He took a detail of man with him. He's got his, uh, got his tape recorder. And what we're going to hear now is uh, a little bit of him on his tape recorder in the woods looking at these lights. Okay. seen something that he's not quite aware of it's weird there's, there's pieces of it breaking off okay you know that is some strange shit he's seen something out there isn't he he sounds visibly shaken yeah as you would be yeah. I guess if you're trained you know what you're looking at that's 99. it 99.9% .9 of the time nearly 100% you know what you're looking at yeah 
He's got no interest in UFOs at this point. He's only gone out there to debunk it and calm people down, hasn't he? Yeah. All right, let's stop the rumours. I'll come out and have a look. He is sober. He's at the party, but he is effectively on duty. He is sober. And they, but they also, while they're out there, they got the first landing site. Yeah. Just before we made that recording, they got the first landing site. And they find indentations in the hard British winter soil. You know how tough the ground gets in winter yeah. in this country? It can be harder than iron in some places, the fucking ground in this country. Once it's frozen. And they find indentations which are one and a half inches deep and seven inches in diameter. They calculate that whatever landed there must have weighed several tons. Now, skeptics will tell you that those are rabbit scrapings. They weren't that deep. They weren't like that. They were just rabbit scrapings and that's it. I don't buy that. If there was three, like, you know, how many identical three do they say? Like, yeah. Yeah, three Space in a triangle. Yeah. And it was a triangular craft. Yeah. A bit more than coincidence, isn't mm. it? Yes, absolutely. They take soil samples and they've got a Geiger counter. Did the trees, did the surrounding. Guess what? They're also all showing higher than uh, normal background radiation. It was in an MOD report by the Defence Intelligence staff said significantly higher than the average background readings. That's a quote from the Ministry of Defence. So you've got all the markings here of certainly something has touched down. Yeah, radioactive residue from whatever fuel they're using or whatever, you know. We can speculate, can't we, but the British government admitted it. Yeah, they said something had been there. Because, should we go into it now? Yeah, yeah. They gave them compensation afterwards. Who compensation? The two men who first encountered the craft. Yeah, Burroughs and Peniston, they had um, some health problems in later life and they was thought the to... radiation poisoning? Yeah. So the, Brit the British government uh, gave them a compensation, the reason for being that they were they exposed... Were exposed, yeah. ...to higher than normal levels of radiation caused by a UAP. Unidentified aerial phenomenon. Crikey. Yeah. Crikey indeed. <laughs> and also it's pointed out that they both sort of um, kind of, the US and the Brits kind of passed this off to each other like a hot potato. But the Americans didn't want to deal with it because there's been something in their airspace on their largest nuke carrying base in the country. And the Brits don't want to deal with it because they see it as an American problem and not theirs. America counters and says, yeah, but we were off base and we saw it, so it's technically your problem. <laughs> And the British are like, nah, 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 it's your guys investigating it, it's your problem. And he gets passed back and forth, and in the end, Lieutenant Colonel Holt is asked to write a memo where he kind of downplays the whole situation in a hope to get the Brits to take it. Yeah. yeah. And that is the famous Holt memo. And even though it is downplayed, it still mentions lights and stuff in the, in the woods. So it's, I'll read it to you. So early in the morning of 27th of December, approximately 0300, Two USAF security police patrolmen saw unusual lights outside the back gate at RAF Woodbridge. Thinking an aircraft might have crashed or been forced down, they called for permission to go outside the gate to investigate. The on-duty flight chief responded and allowed three patrolmen to proceed on foot. The individuals reported seeing a strange glowing object in the forest. The object is described as was being metallic in appearance and triangular in shape, approximately two to three metres across the base and approximately two metres high. It illuminated the entire forest of the white light. The object itself had a pulsing red light on top and banks of blue lights underneath. The object was hovering or on legs. 
As the patrolman approached the object, it manoeuvred through the trees and disappeared. At this time, the animals on a nearby farm went into a frenzy and the object was briefly sighted approximately an hour later near the back gate. Mm. Sorry, this is the original memo, not the played down one. I, I apologise. He's played it down. Yeah, I apologise, yeah. The next memo that goes out is like all of that taken out and they're just like, hey, lights. The next day, three depressions and 1.5 inches deep and 7 inches diameter were found where the object had been sighted on the ground. The following night, the 29th of December, the area was checked for radiation and beta and gamma readings of 0.1 millirutgens were recorded with peak readings in the three depressions and near the centre of the triangle formed by the depressions. A nearby tree had moderate readings on the side of the tree towards the depressions. How much is that? It's higher than background, but it's not that much higher than background. But mm. still, obviously, it's beta and gamma radiation is pretty bad for you, isn't it? It's all pretty bad for you. Yeah. But gamma, I think, is one of the worst. What would you say in chest x-rays terms? Oh, I wouldn't like to say. Probably if... I honestly wouldn't like to make a guess. What was it, 3.4? Now you're thinking of Chernobyl. Am I? 0.05 to 0.07... Uh, 0.1 millirutgens were beta and gamma readings, but that's still better, still higher than average. And if they do it that close to it, this is a couple of days later, they might have got a higher dose. That's it, yeah, it dissipates over time, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. So the two guys could have got a lot more, that's yeah. why they got sick later. That's it. Later in the night, a red sun like light was seen to move through the trees, it moved about and pulsed. At one point it appeared to throw off glowing particles and then broke into five separate white objects and then disappeared immediately. Oh, that's weird. Immediately thereafter, three star-like objects were noticed in the sky, two objects to the north and one to the south, all of which are about 10 degrees off the horizon. The objects moved rapidly in sharp angular movements and displayed red, green and blue lights. The objects to the north appeared to be elliptical through an 8 to 12 power lens and then turned to full circles. They remained in the sky for more than an hour or so, the object to the south was visible for two or three hours before it streamed down a beam of light from time to time. Mm. Strange, isn't it? Is this over the sea now? Yeah, it's out to sea. So yes, um, do you want a bit more audio from, uh, from Lieutenant Colonel Holt? Yeah, what else has he got to say? When was this? This is out in the woods. So they're looking out through a night vision scope, but it's you know it's burning their eye. Oh. It's, 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 well, it's not burning their eye, but it's, it's painful. This thing's bright. It's moving through the woods. It's got bits of dripping off it. Mm. Strange, isn't it? It would say it blinks like an eye. Yeah. Let's listen to a little bit more of him. That's where they're obviously leaving, the one from the south is coming back towards them. Right. Are they picking any of this up on radar? Now there was a radar thing taken that night over the country. 
But there was two other things happening. A meteorite in the night sky, which was incredibly bright. That was seen all over England. A Russian spacecraft broke up over Britain in space. as It was, attempt it was like a probe attempting re-entry. And uh, then you had this unidentified bogey, which was tracked by London Stansted and then went off the screen. I was on the 26th. That's presumably the night that Pennison and Burroughs saw it. It had dropped down to land, so it would have gone off radar, because radar only works when you're so high up. Yes, it's an interesting quite thing. a bit of evidence, isn't there? You know. Yeah, and the fact that he's recording it is, to be fair, quite mental. Yeah. They actually, yeah, so when you know they gave him the, the compensation, as we mm. mentioned earlier, it literally, yeah, it's, it's, they admitted it was UAP radiation for longer than normal UAP sighting periods, is the mm. quote. How mental is that? Yeah. Basically, admission. Yeah. That there's unknown aircraft giving our soldiers radiation poisoning. Yes, absolutely. But then the British government had just come out recently and said that they're not worried. It's not a military concern. No, that's it. You figure that one out? I honestly can't say it. It's just mental. It's, it is legitimately weird. I, I still I still think people can be mistaken, whether you're military trained or not, and these are like teenagers, but Holt's not an idiot. No. Could, so have, been, could have been a bit of swamp gas that... Oh, reflected <laughs> through the light of Venus. I mean, it's hallucinate. Yeah. I, I like it. I think when the lights were coming down over the sea, they were scooping up a few sea animals, you know, for their, for their testing and proving. Could have been. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. See, it would take them some time, you know, if they were, they, they'd have probed us for, I don't know, a good five years. I don't, I don't know what the schedule is. <laughs> <laughs> you're not, are you not privy to the Grey's probing schedules, Claire? No, no. <laughs> there's a lot of things to probe on, on planet Earth, isn't there? Suppose. Well, Limitless probing, in all mm -hmm. fairness. Exactly. So they could have been, you know, sucking something up that light, or... Maybe they were scanning something. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the nukes were stored underground at, uh, at Bent Waters. So... Oh, you think they were scanning nukes? They could have been. They have an in... I mean, aliens tend to have an interest in our nuclear weapons storage. Suppose it's aliens. Yes. So, until we know for sure... Well, all right, but there's a lot of UFOs seen around nuclear missile silos, yeah, or there were. If their craft is, like, you know, propelled by some sort of radiation, sort of, you know, which is suggested by this story, you know, why would they be so in interested in our nuclear cap capabilities? It's a big threat, isn't it? I don't yeah. care. But they know that we can't get very far, don't they? Mm. Well, we can wipe the life off this planet. If we so we choose. We destroy this planet entirely if we so choose. We've got the arsenal now. Yeah. Yeah, USA have got about 20,000 nuclear warheads. Russia's got slightly under that. So even yeah. if they're peace-loving aliens, they're going to be concerned that we've got this thing that can destroy all of their life, which is innocent. Yeah. Or they're not peace-loving aliens. And they're scoping us out. Yep. My God, it's them ones going to turn up in a few years. Time Traveller's right. Oh, the Time Traveller on TikTok was right. Oh. Uh, Next year we're fighting seven foot aliens. Oh, well, that'll make a change, I suppose. Yeah. Be a welcome break. <laughs> From the boredom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice. Now, Holt has gone on record, right, as saying that he believes he and his men witnessed an extraterrestrial event. 
let's talk about Jim Pennison's experience now. He claims that the aliens who visited us weren't aliens at all. They were, in fact, time travellers from our future. They were us. Sergeant Pennison initially claimed to have seen and touched a craft of unknown origin. His claims about time travellers came much later and were the result of a regressive hypnotherapy session on the 10th of September 1994. It's got to be right then, hasn't it? Yeah. Now, in a 2003 sci-fi channel documentary, UFO Invasion at Rendlesham, Jim Penniston reveals a notebook in which he alleged to have made a real-time account of his experiences. He says that in the notebook, the craft of unknown origin with hieroglyphics landed on its in the forest, he examined it for 45 minutes, he touched its warm surface, sketched and recorded the symbols as well as a sequence of binary digits that were apparently telepathically transmitted to him by the craft. Dun dun dun! I thought they got there and then it just whipped up into the air. Uh, so this is the missing 45 minutes. Mm. Mm. That's but, been brought out through the hypnosis. hypnosis. Yeah. So yeah, they might only be able to remember when they first encountered it, then yep. the radiation might have done something to them. Or, yeah. you know, the or the radiation of like having loads of binary digits slammed into his head. Well, you say alien technology, we don't know what they could do, they could swipe our mind, couldn't they? Or it could be, you know, it could be time traveller stuff, couldn't it? Could yeah. yeah. The power to yeah, almost stop time, and that's why their you know, watches were... Well, wait till you hear what the message was. Because oh, the binary codes... Zero one, zero yeah. one, one, one. <laughs> they gave yeah. it to a coder to figure yeah. out, computer yeah. coder to figure out what it, what it actually meant. This is what apparently he was telepathically given. Given, yeah. Do you want to hear what he said in the hypnotherapy first? So they're asking me, this is Jim Pennison, he's speaking to the hypnotherapist. Right? So they are asking me if I see binary code. I see the binary code. They are time travellers, they are us. How far in the future? A long time, very long time. And what do they need? Not sure, but it has something to do with chromosomes or something like that. And how do they get that? They take it. From where? From other people's bodies. They were interrupted. They are having problems. The odds are against them. Are they using us like breeding stock? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, like band-aids. No. Does the government believe what you're saying about them coming from the future? Oh yes, this time, the time travellers are having problems, but they got their machines off. They need to be in space to travel. They need space to travel. This is to travel through time. To go backwards, they can't go forward. They can't go into their future. No, they can only go to their past. It's too much energy to go to the future. And how far can into the past can they go? These ships can go 40 or 50,000 years. They can't go back much further. They might not get back. And he says, why did they come back so far? And he says, so it doesn't affect the timeline. The farther it is, the better the least effect it has on changing the future. They can't control it, it's too cumbersome. Mm. The problem is, is his account of Renish and Forest is completely at odds to what everyone else is. is. Denny and Burroughs has never really come out and said anything. Who's this account we just had then? That's the Penniston hypnotherapy okay. session. Okay. Who's Burroughs? He was the guy that was with Penniston. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. And there was a third guy, but he was back in the truck. He didn't see it. Ah. Uh, so what does Burroughs have to say? He doesn't say anything. Oh, yeah, he's the one that doesn't say anything, isn't he? Scarred for life. August doesn't want to talk about it. Thinks he'll still be considered a nut job. I don't know. 
Now, Peniston first showed the notebook publicly in the 2003 documentary. Waiting a long ass time to show this. Mm. Nobody has independently analysed it, so all we have to go with is what it was seen on TV. We only have Peniston's word. An immediate problem with its authenticity is that Peniston recorded the wrong time and date for the event. He has since asserted his figures are accurate, despite evidence say, independent evidence saying they're not. Who knows? Furthermore, in an interview several years earlier, he recounted a lengthy description of the craft he claimed to have written in his notebook. When we finally saw this notebook on screen, there were no lengthy passages, only brief, disjointed notes. But you don't know if you've seen every page, do you? No. That's the clincher of this. Can we have the message, eh? Yeah, alright, hang on, I'll get into it. <laughs> Bloody hell, alright, okay. Alright, the message. Exploration of Humanity 6668100. Then there's some northwest, north and west latitude lines. Continuous for planetary advan. Fourth coordinate continued UQSCB CBPR before. More coordinates, and we'll get to what they are in a second. Eyes of your eyes, origin, more coordinates, origin, year 8100. The coordinates include the Great Period of Egypt, the Nazca Lines in Peru, the Temple of Apollo at Naxos, High Brazil, which is an Irish Atlantis. It was included on maps in the early Middle Ages, an island being off the west coast of Ireland, and it was seen as being this Celtic Atlantis. Then it vanished off the maps. No one put it there again. Don't know why I must have gone out there and look. It's meant to be shrouded in mist that you can only get to on a certain date, is the legend. Ah, uh, like um, Skull Island. Yeah. <laughs> King Kong. Pretty much. I quite like those films. King Kong ones. They're okay. They're alright. What do you think about that? Well, it's fantastical, isn't it? So I think it's a little bit too fantastical. So it's linking up sort of ancient sites across the world? Yeah, every kind of spiritual site or important site. Like Stonehenge is on there as well. It's like all linked, they're linking all these, to the, so there's places that are imported in our past, they're being mentioned. They're, well, maybe it's their great landmarks, because they've been there for that long. Yeah, maybe so they... If they get lost, they know. Yeah. All right, if you can find that, go to them coordinates, that's the pyramid, so... I don't know, maybe. I don't know. I think that's what an alien map looks like, so there's the pyramids. They could be Stargates, who knows? <laughs> they're they're Stonehenge. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. And the exploration of humanity line is quite interesting. Yeah. Could be just sightseeing. Yeah. Do you, well, <laughs> yeah. There is a possibility that, you know, these are... This is some kind of drone sent back, possibly with greys in it. There is a theory that grey aliens aren't actually aliens, they're like bio-robots. So like little cyborgs are just sent out because they're expendable. You know, the humans have got a problem genetically. They'll be connecting, collecting genetic material from their past to paper over the cracks, so to speak. I was going to say, do you think they've gone they can't get get back. or something? Can they? Can they get back? They they, yeah, they can, as long as they only go so far. Okay. Yeah, they can't go into their future. No. They can't go into their future. No. But you can go into the past and then back to the present. Yes. Okay. Which apparently is bollocks. Could be. Um, it's a wormhole. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, it's theoretical science, isn't it? We can't prove it yet. I don't think. 
No, we can't. Even though, but then again, let's talk. What if it's it's not? It's actually an altered dimension. Whether it's a multi-dimensional craft. Hmm. Well, it's humans in the future coming through another dimension. Could be that. Why didn't he say that he was, you know, or it could be bollocks. Yeah, <laughs> the humans from our future, like long into the future. That's what he thinks. Yeah. So he, this is what he sort of felt as this information downloaded to him. Well, that could be a lie. That's it. I mean, you've only got his word for it that he didn't just write this later on. Yeah. It could be true that happened, but it's a lie that, that it's us in the future just to throw us off. I don't know. Yeah, that could be a thing. Maybe the aliens are like, let's just fuck with him a bit. Yeah. They ain't going to make it that long. <laughs> this did come through his hypnotherapy, though. Yes, it did, yeah. So he's obviously a hidden memory, or his brain had repressed it. Mm -hmm. Or he made it up. Yeah. How could you get that to come out during hypnotherapy? You're not really under hypnosis. You just lie. Yeah. Or you've told yourself so much that you believe it. It's been 30 years later... If he's recounted this story over and over again, even though it's a lie, his unconscious would believe it, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah because I mean, you can your memory's not that good. I mean, it just fills in missing parts. Especially if this is a traumatic event, and let's assume that he did see something in the woods. His mind might have just come up with this whole different story just to cover it. Yeah. Well, what do you, is it something you said it could have been? A Russian spacecraft. Um, I was going for the lighthouse. Oh, the lighthouse. Yeah. The lighthouse is an interesting one. It really is. I think it actually is the lighthouse, or some of the stuff they saw is the lighthouse. That could explain the lights, couldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but those lights would be there every day, every night. Mm. Not so often. People at the base, you know, would you know, see them all the time. It would be... Maybe it was particularly foggy. Was it foggy or anything? That it night? was that night, yeah. It was on the Maybe coast. Maybe that could distort the light somehow. Make it look a bit weird. Mm, not See, that's the thing. That's yeah. the one that we can't quite explain. It's beyond normal. That is a thing. I can give you, uh, for the lighthouse, it's the Orfordness lighthouse. It has an interval of five seconds. Now, I'm going to play you the footage of Holt again, but this is Skeptoid.com, and they've put an, a five-second interval, every, a beep, every time he says the light's coming towards him. It's every five seconds. Mm. Okay. All right, so let's hear what um, the Skeptoid website claims is the reason they saw the lighthouse. Now, this has a five-second flashing period. Every time Holt says, hey, it's coming towards us, or someone says it's coming towards us, there's a beep. That is every five seconds. And it does kind of match up. So let's see what uh, this one, you think of this. Yeah, it is quite interesting. I, they see, actually, no, I'll get to that at the end. Right, I ran last debunking theory. This is by a guy called Dr. David Clark, and we've had it before briefly on Weird News a while back. Basically, the SAS were doing a mission where they had to sneak into bases like this. It was like a joint mission, and a couple of them got caught, they parachuted wrong, took them into the base, they got caught. And they got roughed up a bit and called illegal aliens by the Americans who were there. Mm -hmm. And they felt that they probably got roughed up a bit too much. I mean, yeah, all right, there's, you, you fucked up. We're going to, you know, mm -hmm. your special forces, we're Air Force personnel. You should be fucking, you know, give them a bit of a slap. Mm -hmm. 
and the SES would probably expect it for getting caught. They roughed up a little bit too much, so they said, all right, well, these Yanks want to know, want to see aliens, we'll show them aliens. And they set this whole thing up with flares, remote control kites, stuff strapped to trees, and basically just fucked with the Americans as a bit of a revenge prank. Right, he's come out and said this then. This is from a story uh, from a guy called Dr. David Clark, who'd heard it off one of the SAS guys that... that um, Second-hand said information, third-hand fucking information. Right, going back to the lighthouse, wouldn't, you know, that would be there all the time. It, it, you know, if it, it, it disappeared as well. If it was a lighthouse, it'd still be there, stationary, still bleeping every, you know... Flashing every five seconds, wouldn't it? Yeah, until it comes to a point where they turn. I mean, they, I think they only turn it on when they actually shit traffic due to come past. Do they? It's like it's dangerous. Well, every ship's got its timings, hasn't it? Yeah, but they have to announce they're coming up, up to the coast. They have a radio station. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe they do leave it on all night. Yeah, yeah I guess fishing. so. But it's not on radar. It's nineteen eighty. It's got radar. It's got radio. There could have been. Climactic conditions that made it yeah, seem a bit weird in like, the fog or something. Refracting light uh, in the know, trees. When, you know it's like when you're anxious, every little noise is something and every light is weird, you know what I mean? Your mind plays tricks on you a bit. Mm. You're going to know that lighthouse is there and it's stationary though, come on. It is, but then you, get, but you don't know what the light's doing going through the fog, it's hitting, it's hitting this farmer's house, it's going through the trees, the yeah. light's refracting. They might see it from a different angle from their base. Remember, they're not in their base, they're in the woods. Yeah. Maybe they don't go into this part of the woods very often. Well, they would have no reason to unless there was something there. There you go. Never been there before. Yeah, but they originally went to the woods because of the lights. There's only a couple of them the first day. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. And they've got the, you know, the... And I suppose the, the lights wouldn't explain the, the radiation and the, the indents in the ground, would it? No. And no, the that's the thing. Traffic. So, this Recordings. is... Sorry? The flight traffic recording before they dropped off the radar as well. Yeah, I think the first part, this is, I straddle the fence on this one. Because I think that Pennison and Burroughs, when he did see something that first night, I think that because everyone was a bit jumpy on the on the uh, couple of nights later, I think that's when they got tricked by the lights, by the, by the, um, by the, the lighthouse. Could have been. I think the first night something happened, they saw something, whether the the binary code and all that is true, I I don't I wouldn't even touch that with a barge pole, because we've only got his word on that. Yeah, that is fantastical, isn't it? It's it's quite amazing. It's too amazing to be true. You know, and the fact that he sat on it for thirty years and then when maybe when the interest is drying up from it, so oh look at this notebook I found. Yeah, that's a bit sus. But the fact that it come out under hypnotherapy, you know. That depends on whether you take hypnotherapy as a credible testimony, isn't it? Yeah. That guy who did it wasn't asking him leading questions. He was asking him to explain what he was saying, which is that's how you should do it. Because you, sometimes you, they can go, they can lead you in a path because you're in a suggestible state. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes I agree with it and sometimes I don't. I, I think it's a little iffy, to be honest. Mm. I don't. I think it can be, you can con them, can't you? I think it can be conned. Well, I mean, on yeah. the second night, there was, you know, things moving north and south. It wasn't, yeah. Be light splitted off the trees through the fog. Could be hitting something on the way through. Who knows? Yeah. Obviously, the government admitting that they got radiation from something. Yeah, that's the first night. That's where I think something happened. Yeah. 
They've got, we've actually got physical evidence, haven't we? Yeah. My radiation readings, the indents in the ground, and the government admitting it. So. Yeah. Remember the news. Happened, you know, I think. Remember the news of the world ran this as well. Hey, UFOs land in Suffolk. It's official. Was the headline? You know, as much as I hate that newspaper because it's Murdoch owned. It's like the, it used to be the Sunday Sun, basically, didn't it? Yeah. Then they got shut down for re- recording murder news victims. News of the world, you mean? News of the world. And they shut shut down for recording murder victims. Fucking answer phone messages. That's Piers Morgan, wasn't it? Everyone forgets that. Oh yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But that got me. In, they used to run alien stories all the time, and apart from the Weekly World New, Weekly Weird New, Weekly World News, sorry, which is an American tabloid, which I used to get from the shop in, in Dorley of all places. Right, it was full of fabricated mad bullshit. News of the world just do run stuff exactly like that. Always been every once a month there'd be an alien story. I was abducted by aliens, Renaissance Forest, something that's always be an alien story somewhere in there. And it got me into this as much as any other publication, even though I hate it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I straddle the fence on this. It's the one I should really believe. I mean, I do think something happened on the first night, but. The yeah, second night, all the hieroglyphics and all that, and the, the messages. <sighs> nah, I don't go for that. Nah, I'm a bit iffy on that one. I believe something happened. Mm. Yeah, the government's admittance—that's that's the clincher. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, they paid them compensation, and he's nuts. Mm-hmm. So, we all give us our piece on that, Mike. You happy? You done your bid? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, you got any fucked up facts? Yep. Right, we'll end on them. Can we right. the jingle, please? Facts, facts, fucked up facts, 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 facts. Mars. Facts. Some... <laughs> <laughs> Mars sometimes hums and scientists don't know why. Fucking aliens, mate, that's why. Yeah. It's alien base. Must be. Doesn't the moon fucking ring like a bell? Yeah. Maybe it's all planets have got their own fucking sound. Maybe there's a cop. For all we know, we galactic can't hear orchestra. it. Yeah, well, for all we just can't hear it. Maybe there's a galactic yeah. orchestra where we can tune in. It's playing fucking Beethoven's Ninth or something. Well, I'm sure the Earth gives off a bit of a hum, doesn't it? It does. It does. So maybe that's like the barbershop quartet, the Earth. Yeah. Uh, Makes sense to me. Yeah. Neptune's an organ. Yeah. Pluto. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pluto's a triangle. Pluto's a triangle. <laughs> yeah, out there. Bing. That's not a planet anymore, it's been kicked out. No, yeah. Yeah. Tragic. It's because it's smaller, is it, than everything else, so it's just like, oh, you're not a fucking planet anymore. Yeah, they were like, nah, actually, it's too small to be classed as a planet. It's like a, We've an got egg. loads of them around us. Yeah, we don't want any more. Ten a penny. Yeah. It's a dwarf planet now, isn't it? It's a dwarf planet, yeah, it's, it's been relegated a little bit. No one wants to live there anyway, it's too fucking cold. Oh, God, yeah, it's just covered in ice, isn't it? You don't want that. You have a summer like once every fucking thousand years when it comes a little bit closer to the sun. Yeah, yeah the summer's like minus 200. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I put my shorts on. It's... There would be that one guy, wouldn't there? There would, there'd still be some bloke with shorts on. <laughs> like his top on. <laughs> yeah, top on and bad tattoos. So that's how you know which summer in England. A faded bulldog tattoo on some fat man's chest to figures. Normally a Geordie. Mm. They punch horses. Do they? They do, yeah. Happened once at a Newcastle game. There was a bit of a scuffle and the bloke punched a horse. Just like the, just like the Olympian. Oh, 
Well, not looking like the Olympian. This guy jawed it. Then the horse might have attacked him after that. It's pretty good. They're well, trained to. horses. Yeah. Minding their own business. Yeah, they're still trained to attack. They're just not trained to bite your face off like they used to be. Fact. Yeah, there's a fact that cavalry horses used to be able to train to bite your face off. <laughs> Despite almost turning to soup in the cocoon, butterflies can recall trauma experienced as a caterpillar. Oh, oh that's tragic. I'll never look at a caterpillar the other way again. What sort of trauma is that? Like falling off a leaf? Maybe it's been attacked by a bird. Yeah. Again. Having a massive human looking down at it. How did they figure that out? Yeah. No idea what they are. I've got a traumatised butterfly here. Yeah. Wait, so they turn to soup in the cocoon? Almost. They're, they're pretty much liquid. Turn to liquid, don't they? And then they... I have no idea. I didn't, I didn't know that. I just thought they just grew wings. And oh. went a bit bigger. You know they almost like liquefied and then came out as a butterfly. Mm-hmm. Liquefy and then regroup. No way, that's awesome. Why haven't we harnessed that technology? Why is no one looking at that? Why are we making killer swarms of nanobots? What are we gonna do with that? that Give ourselves fucking wings. Then we'll have peeping toms flying at <laughs> <laughs> Is that all you're worried about? <laughs> go into a cocoon and come out as like the best of us the best version of ourselves if you get Captain America in the tube that's a metaphor right there he goes into like a cocoon mm-hmm. gets pumped full of liquid comes out as Captain America maybe we could do that go in a cocoon come out ripped as shit and a foot taller that'd be awesome why is no one looking foot into taller? that then, yeah. then we can face those aliens next year exactly Why is the, just we could do it along with the Covid thing bang everyone in a cocoon inject them full of super soldiers so we ready to fight the aliens wouldn't we Boom. That's a total amalgamation of so many conspiracies and ideas. Mm. Yes. Stick some nanobots in there as well, why not, Ben? <laughs> well, Tony Stark had nanotech. I don't think there's a Tony Stark about, though, unless Jeff Bezos has been working on it. I doubt it. He's been rolling around in his massive pile of money. Yep, not paying tax. And even claiming fucking benefits for his kids. Is it? Really? Yeah. Well, one year claim four grand. <laughs> with a child tax credits or something. Never. <laughs> but let's not forget the most important thing. You had a spaceship shaped like a dick. <laughs> a giant dick. That's appropriate, isn't it? It's incredible. Why would you even do that? Because you're a giant dick. Oh, yeah. Joel Payton's just done it, hasn't he? Yeah. He has. He has. I saw that. It was great. He was riding it like Dr. Strangelove, uh, like fucking Slim Pickens in Dr. Strangelove. Money flying about the place. Yeah. Mikhail Gorbachev was a big fan of Twin Peaks. You remember that series? Yeah, it was weird as fuck. Yeah. And asked George H.W. Bush to find out for him who killed Laura Palmer. Uh. David Lynch was contacted by the producers on behalf of the president, but declined to tell them the answer. Oh man, he could have ended the Cold War right there. <laughs> he could have ended it early if he just told Gorby who fucking shot Laura Palmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can imagine Gorbachev liking that actually. He was a bit of a bit of an odd chap in ways, wasn't he? I don't know really. Yeah, I don't know. He just always seems like a guy that'd like the alternative. Don't know much about him. No, no, I mean, I suppose he didn't. 
I don't know. He fucked up on Chernobyl, I know that much. Yeah. Can anyone guess what the uh, oldest joke recorded was about? Ah, uh, go on then. Across the road? No. A dinosaur that ate your daughter. One-eyed dinosaur? A saber-toothed dinosaur. That was from 1900 BC. Oh, right. It's probably a dick joke. Close. Oh, he fucked your mum or something. No. <laughs> um, something that someone's got a tiny dick. No, not, not dicks, but toilet humour. Oh, well, go on then. Fart joke. Oh, no way. <laughs> Man, imagine being there for the first time when someone farts, you're all sat at the table and someone's got a proper ripper. And you just all start laughing, you've never heard that before. It'd be amazing. And fart is one of the oldest words in the English language. Yeah. I know there's a, a Roman bit of graffiti that's left saying, like, so-and-so fucked your mum here. Oh. <laughs> in Latin. That'd be fucking great. Mm. Do you wear much pink, Ben? I do not. I wear no pink. You should stop fact. thinking about it. Why is that? The 2012 study suggested that men who wear pink earn more than those who are willing not to wear it. Right, well, I'm not going to change my principles. <laughs> touch of the femininity. It just doesn't suit me. It clashes in my eyes. <laughs> it's even the white t-shirt and some light, you know, maybe some wild pink shorts or something. Ah, I don't know about pink shorts. But not in this country. Maybe, i tell you maybe what, in Spain. white t-shirt with, with a pink overshirt I might go for. Mm. I might go with that. So maybe some red shorts. But pink pink just, and red? Yeah. No, ben, just leak no, just back up. Oh, right, you yeah. don't do. But it clashes in my eyes. I got blue eyes, pink clashes with it. Yeah, go for green. Green, oh, you know, black, maybe blues do it. Sorry, <laughs> just getting fashion advice off Claire. Your personal shopping later. <laughs> <laughs> A marine worm called Ramicillis multicaudata. What? Ramicillis multicaudata. Right. As a single head and hundreds of bums, its body branches off in all directions and each branch has its own butthole. Oh. Great. <laughs> and that's a worm. Like a parasite. I guess, baby. That's the one you want up your ass. <laughs> Can shit itself out. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently being in love makes food taste sweeter. Um, I think everything feels sweeter, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like just <laughs> everything tastes a bit better. Yeah. Songs. What, when you're in love? Yeah. Songs are a little bit better. The air tastes cleaner. Yeah. Food tastes better. Then you get your heart broken, it all goes back to shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm sure it tastes. In the 1800s, ducks were sometimes called arse feet. I like it. When was that? Feet are so close to the bottom. Nice. Oh, I thought it was because, you know, when they go under the water and start eating, just their arse and the feet, you can just see, can't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like ducks, they're all right. They probably will one day overthrow us, but, you know. Maybe. I can't see it. A lot of angry ducks out there. Especially the ally with the swans. And the emus. Or well, the emus. Imagine if you get a duck emu army. Mm -hmm. and then they form an alliance with the rabbits. Humanity's doomed. We couldn't. It is, yeah. Fucking rabbits are loads of them, aren't they? Yeah. Peacocks fake orgasms. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me how they know that. <laughs> <laughs>
Have you been fucking peacocks again? <laughs> I knew she didn't come. <laughs> Lion bird. <laughs> Walking through some nice gardens that have peacocks, aren't they? They're quite like loud. Yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah. I was going to do an impression, but I can't remember what they sound like now. Nah, no, mate. I don't want to. Don't embarrass myself by sounding like a loud chicken. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're, 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 they're great looking birds, aren't they? Mm. I don't want that sexy one, just in case it fakes its orgasm. <laughs> Another thing I'd like to have aromatic. <laughs> <laughs> aromatic. Swan and peacock. Mm. How about a pizza? Pizza. Swan and peacock pizza. Well, I'd try it, but it's very illegal. <laughs> you can't have a swan for a start. They're the queens. I'll just try to link to the next one. Yeah. Uh -huh. There's a pizzeria in Guatemala. That cooks their pizzas on lava from an active volcano. Oh, fuck metals that. that. That's fucking ace. That's ace, I like that. <laughs> that is brilliant. I want to go there. It's not my new life. I've got a new life goal. They, they siphon a bit off, do they, anything? Maybe this is a bit running under the shop. <laughs> At the back. <laughs> Don't turn on the lava, kids. <laughs> and they've just got an oven built over the top of it. He has to get fucking like asbestos clothing on to get it out. But full volcanologist gear, that shiny suit they wear with the helmet and everything. I bet it's the best pizza ever, and you won't you, you ever want to eat any other pizza again. It's got nah. to be volcanic pizza. Yeah, I only want volcanic pizza. I only eat my pizzas if they're cut by volcano nowadays. <laughs> Come on, Domino's, sort it out. <laughs> 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 Your pizza will be seven weeks. <laughs> Thing is, they're really clever because they've cut the overheads out, and they they haven't got to worry about the gas or the electricity for the ovens. They just cook it over the lava. Yeah. I mean, all right, you might fall in. That could be dangerous. I don't know if it's going to be the the really hot red running stuff. Is it? It's going to be like the the black sort of cooling down type stuff. Oh man, I was see, I was picturing like the restaurant, and then a bit of a back garden, and like a bit of a lava stream going down the hill, <laughs> and like there's just been some ovens built over the top. They put the pizzas in, and the heat of the lava cook it. I was thinking that as well, but it's going to turn to rock at some point, so they're going to, you know, that wouldn't be ideal. That was a continuous flow. Mm. It's a continuous flow, it won't. It will at some end, but... Yeah. It, it might it's eventually be back. It's not it? <laughs> <laughs> Just, oh, cooking pizza over open lava is pretty dangerous anyway. It's a dream. Well, I applaud their ingenuity, but, you know... I worry for their sanity. <laughs> yeah. It was not uncommon for Victorians to keep hedgehogs as kitchen pets to eat beetles. Ah, oh, I like it. Well, I like hedgehogs. Yeah, they're all right. I'm sure it's a sanitary, you know. Well, they let the hedgehog run around to eat the beetles in the house. Yeah, I mean, I'm right, the hedgehog shit's going to get everywhere. Mm. But, you know, they didn't care about that back then. But never feed them milk. No, they're lactose intolerant. Mm. Cat food's the best. Or just water. Cat food and water, yeah. The Mafra Palace Library in Portugal is an army of bats that come out each night and dine on the insects that want to eat their 14th century leather-bound books. No way. Oh, I bet a fucker if it's during the daytime and something spooks them and the library's full and all these bats just start fucking attacking everything. I was going to be cleaning up the bat shit in the morning. Oh. You want to eat the books? The beetles do, yeah, the insects. 
So, you know, have an army of bats send it each night. Then they all retire into the rafters. Oh, that's ace. I like it when like nature and people come together. Mm. Oh, you've been killing slugs for ages now. <laughs> you won't let just let them eat your plants, will you? No. Why not? Because they're my, my pretty plants. The slugs. There's a few knocking around. I've left a few. <laughs> and I, I do give some a chance by just throwing them over the fence. Oh, well, that's all right, then. Not putting him in the beer trap. That's, that's okay, then. Great. Mm -hmm. And we'll finish on another fart one. Yay. Fart heavy, this one. Give me classy. According to the head keeper at San Diego Zoo, the worst farts in the animal kingdom come from, what do you think? An elephant. No. That come to my head as well, but I bet it's going to be, I don't know, something I'm... smaller. Smaller than an elephant, yeah. Yeah. A wolf. Bigger than a wolf. No, dog well, farts always stink. Maybe the same size. Uh, but it's a marine animal, apparently. Marine animal? Yeah. Oh, well, a dolphin. Close. Go on. Sea lions. No, I can imagine it, yeah. Bit fishy, bit yeah. nasty. Yeah, mm. oh god, I wouldn't have to clean up that fucking mess. I wonder if there's like a, a rate of like smell on farts. Because, you know. The, <laughs> this, yeah. this guy's gone around rating the farts of all yeah. the animals in the zoo. There's some guy that went around rating all the stings from insects. Oh, by, getting, yeah, yeah. by getting bit by every yeah. insect. Yeah. Jesus. What a yeah. lunatic. The bullet ant as well, That's it, it, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a Victorian He's a fucking sadist. <laughs> oh, He's a masochist, sorry. <laughs> Jesus. Fuck that. On the smellow scale, I'd love to know what my dog is. Because she's, mm. she's ripe. <laughs> ripe at the moment. Oh, God. Oh, dog farts. That's why I went wolf, because it was like, <laughs> dog farts are terrible, aren't they? He's, and then he's like a... And that's that's it. And then the dog looks up and looks at you. Yeah. Looks disgusted and puts his head back down, and you're just like, that wasn't fucking me, was it? At the moment, my dog's a... She can, you can hear every fart. It's like... Uh -huh. ah, she she stands up and walks off. Uh -huh. She doesn't usually, but she's it's she's too bad. Just too bad. <laughs> <laughs> at the moment, my so. dog used to fart and then look round and look round by her backside and wonder what was going on. That <laughs> <laughs> <But> tickled. <laughs> yeah. oh, my eyes get blamed. I get accusing eyes. Uh -huh. Anyway, on that note. Let's end the show. I've been Ben. Thank you very much for listening. Follow us on Facebook at Cutting to the Bull in the PTA. YouTube is Apocalypse Ball. We're on most places you can get podcasts. You'll find us. Cutting to the Ball in the PTA. So thank you very much for listening. Don't join the favourite. Don't join a call. I'm mean, Mike. Thanks for listening. Peace out. May the force be with you. And I've been clear. Keep an open mind, but not so open that it spills like it is, guys.